just keeps getting more bizarre. We've been talking about this for weeks now. You're on the program. A potential crisis facing farm workers and farms alike in Washington State. A crisis forced by misguided rules and political maneuvering on the part of extremist activist groups. Welcome back. This is The Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. I'm your host, Dylan Honkoop. Glad to have you here on a Saturday morning. Yes, it has gotten... I, I didn't think it could, but it has gotten even more bizarre where... And I, I'm calling this bizarre because it, it was already bizarre when, when we had groups that say they were trying to protect workers, yet were pushing rules and suing the state for rules that would, I'm sorry, this is a bit of a crass statement, but would screw workers over. It, it, they were awful for workers more than anyone. They would hurt, leave workers with no place to stay. These were rules that would cut the housing capacity for temporary agricultural workers across the state in half. So which were going to be, who are the half of the workers they were going to tell couldn't stay. You know, a lot of workers travel around. They go to different harvests. This has been going on for a long, long time here in Washington State, famous for its apples and true fruit and berries over here on the West Coast. Migrant workers, folks from all parts of the country, as well as guest workers uh, from other countries come, and they, they have housing, licensed housing, that's up to state standards. It keeps being, you know, the, the activists keep talking about this, about terrible, crowded, cramped housing. No, this is licensed, clean, very nice. I, honestly, the pictures of, of the housing from different parts around the state, a lot of this is nicer than my house. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, granted, I get to live in, in my house just with my family, and these guys, mostly guys, you know, live with other workers during the season. That's what they do to have the opportunity to, to pick you know fruit and make a lot of the money that they rely on. Well, what, what are they going to do if they show up and say, oh, that housing that you had planned on, yeah, sorry, um, it's not there. Um, how are they going to pick which people get the housing and which don't? Of course, this is being done, as, as the activists say, to protect folks from COVID. And that's great. We need to do everything possible to protect workers from COVID. But taking away housing options? You know, if there was another good alternative, okay, well, great. But the, the reality in this situation is there's not a better alternative. Well, it got more bizarre this week. As the activists had to, at least in their legal case, step away from this stringent demand because not only is it wrongheaded and harmful to workers, but it, they didn't have legal standing to make this case and to do this. Okay, so what were they going to do next? Joining us right now with the Washington Policy Center is their uh, Agricultural Center uh, Director, Pam Lewis, and over in eastern Washington with us this morning. Pam, now that they've had to kind of at least legally back away from that, and I understand they're still talking about it verbally still, some of these folks are still pushing for this crazy rule that would harm farm workers. What, where are they pivoting, though? The, 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 you're talking about 
pool tables and and cable TV. What does that have to do with anything? Explain what, how we got to this place. So, uh, at the hearing for the safety rules and the other things in the lawsuit was last Friday. Uh, so the the first week of March, the, or excuse me, the first week of May, and um, the summary that I heard from the hearing was that they'd sort of stepped away from this demand that there be no bunk beds. And um, then a proposal was sent uh, at the beginning of this week to a farmer uh, in the Skagit Valley area, I believe, um, with sort of a list of things that, uh, that, that the, the two farm unions wanted instead. And, Granted, there's a, a good list of safety policies mm-hmm. that they'd like to see, and that's great. Yeah, um, I think we can all agree that yep. safety needs to be first and foremost. And from what I'm uh, hearing, a lot of those common sense safety things are things that we're all doing right now and that a right. lot, if not all, farms are already doing. If farms right. aren't, they better be doing some, you know, the gloves yes. and the masks and right. soap uh, you and know, obvious things it, like that. Yes, increased PPE and and disposable paper towels and, and the opportunity to wash hands and, and take breaks to do so um, when it when it's necessary and, and often. Um, Everybody and agrees then, on that. I, I, there's yes, nobody's I think, disagreeing on that. I think, you know, yeah. I think we're all in the habit now of washing our hands so often yeah. that I'm waiting for there to be a run on, you know, lotion at the grocery <laughs> store. Um, but... In addition to that, tacked at the very end of this list of what are common sense and proper sanitization and safety asks, there is this caveat also for um, internet bandwidth for everyone in ha- in the housing community to um, essentially stream or use internet um the internet capabilities uh, to the fullest extent. Also to have um, the maximum amount of uh, cable or satellite television in the language most prevalent in the house or in, in the housing units uh, of the workers to the maximum number of channels available. And then finally to have (laughs) either, (laughs) either a, um, a, a an adequate number of pool or tennis table tennis tables available for the workers as well, um, and it needs to be two of those three items available in each housing unit. Um, and and those are are requirements they want for safe housing. Yes, uh, sort of in trade for um, these this. Um, giving up of this staunch requirement that there be no bunk beds. Um, or at least that's how this, this uh, proposal okay. reads. Okay. So they, they want good internet, <coughs> the full range possible of TV channels in the, the language that they, you know, is, is most understandable to the workers, which is, you know, mm-hmm. in, in these housing units, most of these folks probably prefer sp- to speak in Spanish. Okay, mm-hmm. so Spanish language programming, great, and pool and table tennis tables. Mm-hmm. Great, but, but bizarre for them to be asking for this in a negotiation that's supposed to be about protecting people from COVID. What's the con- right. what's the connection here? I, so I, I, 
I find it an odd, I don't know that there is a connection. I find it an odd leap to go from demanding and, and saying publicly that this is, that this whole lawsuit is meant to be about safety and that their primary concern is the safety of the worker and, and the safety of um, sort of the larger farm worker community to jump from that to, well, it's fine. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We just want entertainment for off hours. And and I don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed at the end of a long day. I am all about sitting down with a cool beverage and yeah. being able to just tune out yeah. for a little while. Well, and, I, and honestly, this isn't something that, you know, in some situations may be a little challenging, but okay, it's, right. it's doable. Is it necessary? That's a totally different discussion. But hey, okay, right. great. We'll do this. But why? How, how have we been haggling over things that threatened a bunch of workers with homelessness if they didn't, you know, weren't able to stay in this housing, threatened workers with potentially losing their jobs? And, and, and this is all over concerns about COVID. And now we're here talking about TV and ping pong. It just right. doesn't make sense. It, it, does this tell us? Maybe more about really what is the headspace of these folks who are the, the extreme groups who are pushing this negotiation? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I think the original lawsuit was frivolous to begin with, um, you know, and it, it, it seemed at the time, and I still think that it, it, the original lawsuit felt very tone deaf. Um, you know, when you have, um, you know, everyone you know, and what feels like everyone applying for unemployment and, um, you know, people left and right, thankful to have the job that they have yeah. and, and businesses actively doing everything they can to seek out whatever PPE is available, uh, to make their workers as safe as they can be, um, particularly in, uh, essential businesses that have to continue to function. Uh, it, the original lawsuit felt um, totally out of place. And to, to see that this is how um, these groups want to go back to the drawing board to figure out a way to be safe um, also feels very uh, wildly out of step with what's going on. You know, I, farmers, farm groups, and I, I believe truly that the Department of Health and L&I all want to come to what is a good place where farms can function safely for their workers and still get through this situation um, economically. Because the thing is that at the end of the day, if farms can't survive what's going on, all of this haggling over bunk beds or TV and pool tables and all of these other things are meaningless because there will be nowhere for workers to return to next year. Yeah. If this really goes to the full degree, that's that's absolutely right. Pam Lewison with Washington Policy Center. She is their director for their initiative on agriculture with us right now on The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI with you this morning. Pam, you know, you think about where this all came from and what's really behind all this, and you really got to start asking some hard questions when we get to this kind of bizarre turn 
in the story. It, it and again, I, I I laugh about it, but again, like you say, it's, it's, I'm not mocking people for wanting uh, cable TV or ping pong tables. Again, that, that's that's fine. What's laughable is that that is included in a discussion about safety. So I, w- I want to be clear about why I'm making fun of that because it's so disingenuous. Uh, and and what's frustrating at the root of all this to me is that the assumption is that farmers haven't been doing anything to uh, to protect workers. That's literally what these extreme groups are saying and suggesting uh, in a lot of statements that they've made as well as in their court case, etc. They're saying that farmers basically have not done anything to protect workers. Workers are totally at risk and totally being used and abused. And it wouldn't, nothing would happen to protect them at all unless they sued and, and played this whole game. That's not what I'm hearing from farms. What are you hearing from farms? I'm hearing about farms doing all kinds of stuff, even before the state's regulations that these are rules or guidance or whatever you want to call it. Even before those were issued, a lot of farms were already doing all kinds of stuff to protect their workers. I, you know, I, I'm hearing the same thing. I think farms are doing everything they possibly can to protect their workers to the best of their ability based on what's available. I think, um, you know, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. The first is that a, a, a policy as a recommendation versus a rule doesn't somehow make it uh, more effective. Um, you know, if you put something in place as a recommendation that these are the things that you should do, that doesn't, um, that doesn't make it somehow uh, better than changing it to a rule and saying, okay, this is a rule now. So that makes it something you have to follow. Um, people who follow recommendations and or rules are people who are going to follow them regardless. So the few people who may be outliers who are not um, following recommendations aren't suddenly going to perk up and say, oh, it's a rule now, so I need to follow it. Um, so that's, well, and this I is think- a situation that's, that's like we were just talking about is developing. So, so right. it, it may appear that, and if you're totally naive to how this is all working, well, they're haggling over you know, specifics mm-hmm. about you know, protective equipment and distancing and all of that as if none of that will happen until this negotiation is done. Well, it's right. already happening, and it already has been happening for quite some time. And yeah, maybe specifics may be adjusted, but it's not like, well, this is all waiting until this rulemaking process is done. So I also, the other thing that I think is sort of interesting that people forget about in this situation is that, uh, you know, just like having a run on things like paper towels and baby wipes for regular folks, um, you know, some of these things early on as this situation developed, um, you know, some of those things weren't available. Hospitals were having a hard mm-hmm. time getting getting face masks and things like that. So it's it seems a little outlandish to demand that farmers have face masks available when our right. you know when our health community couldn't even get them. Yeah. So um, I think we need to be cautious about what we require versus saying, you know, hey, let's figure out a workable solution that keeps us as healthy as we can be. And as these supplies and things come available, 
go out and get them yeah. because that's what's going to be best for you and your workers in the long term. Well, and that, that overall impression underneath all of it, is, oh, is that farmers will not do anything unless they are forced mm-hmm. to very specifically by rules. Right. And I think, I, I think that's an inaccurate reflection. I mean, farmers who go through the process of hiring workers, whether it's an H-2A worker or, uh, you know, or a worker from, you know, down the street, you're going through a process that is arduous and requires interviews and reviews and background checks and all of those other steps. Um, so it, it doesn't make sense that you would not do everything you can to ensure that that farm worker is safe and healthy. Absolutely. And we haven't even touched on the devastation this would cause, the food waste that the, this would cause if, you know, their, their bunk bed stuff would uh, have um, prevailed. And it looks like it won't, even though we still don't know what, what the right. state's rules specifically will, will be. Interesting, all the housing stuff, like you mentioned earlier, in their lawsuit, when it came time for that hearing last week, was suddenly not in the lawsuit at all. So, right. it, And that was the question I was asking last week. If this stuff was so important, how was it possible that it was just, boom, out of their lawsuit, not even mentioned? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was uh, exposing some real ulterior motives here. Now we're where this has gone with ping pong tables and cable TV, uh, that much more, I think, um, uh, revealing as far as as real motives here. And and again, we haven't even gotten into the, the cost that this would be for uh, farms, for the food system, for consumers who are not able to get food or, or have to eat food from foreign countries. Are you ready to eat apples from China? That could very well happen if rules like this like, had been proposed would go forward. And mm-hmm. then all the family farms and particularly the smaller farms uh, that wouldn't be able to survive a hit like this. Yeah, I think the, the 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 potential economic cost of all of this is something that um, people need to be really mindful of um, because what we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about cutting our labor force in half, particularly with fresh produce, um, you're talking about, quite honestly, leaving um, edible products in the field to rot and... Um, be wasted. And that's, that's income loss, not just at the farm gate, but that's an income loss for our entire economy because that has a ripple effect. So the farmer, the farmer loses that income, but in turn, so does a worker. So does the shipping community. So, you know, so does the state as a whole. There's a huge multiplier there. There's, there's a huge part of our state as an entire community that loses out in the event that a, a portion of a crop of, of the magnitude that we're potentially talking about is left in, on a tree or on a, a vine or in a field. Pam Lewis and Washington Policy Center, we're out of time. I appreciate the work that you're doing there to follow this stuff and to uh, expose the truth about what's really going on. Thanks for what you do. Well, thank you for having me, Dylan. I appreciate it.